Welcome to Where I'm From, the podcast that proves that no matter how far you go, you'll always keep a little piece of home with you. I'm Bill Meeks. This week, actor and comedian Dave Thune joins me to talk about where he's from, Cedar Grove, Wisconsin. But he's also kind of from Milwaukee. Point is, we're talking the Badger State. You might know Dave Thune as, well, that guy. The RX-5 got five spokes on Road Pro, and it's at the price. Mm, okay. Dave's been a teacher on I Am Not Okay With This, a patsy on Good Girls, and about a million other things. But before he slapped Hollywood across the face with his awesome mustache, Dave started his comedy journey at Comedy Sports in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We'll discuss that for sure. But we're going to start in Cedar Grove. Cedar Grove is a village in Sheboygan County, Wisconsin, so it's no wonder Dave has a well-developed funny bone. It was a town built around a post office. These days, it's best known as the site of the annual Holland Festival, celebrating the heritage of the founding families with costumes, food, clomping dancing, whatever that is, and a parade that goes right down Main Street. Today, I'm talking to Dave about Cedar Grove, Milwaukee, how he went from comedy sports in the middle of the country to UCB in Hollywood, and maybe we'll even fit in a little improv. Here's Dave. And I'd like to welcome to where I'm from, Dave Thune. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Excellent. I haven't talked to you since we were in improv class together at Groundlings, which I had to bow out of because there was COVID and a car wreck and all that stuff. Yeah. How was the rest of the class? The rest of the class, after you left, we really took off. We really started to thrive. Uh, mm -hmm. It felt mm -hmm. like there was a cloud lifted and <laughs> we just started to gel and come together. So you were missed. You were missed, Bill. Indeed. The class was yeah, fun. It, it was good. And you, you guys missed. hang out all the time now and everything, too. Like outside we hang of out all the yeah. time. <laughs> Yeah, and we have your email, so we know we could connect, but we choose not to. You choose not to, so, absolutely. You, yeah, you know, it's yeah. funny you say that because a, a little story about where I'm from. I was mm -hmm. on the YMCA basketball team, youth basketball team. Mm -hmm. We lost every game for eight or nine games. And I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm out of here. I dropped out of the team. They went on to win the regional championship. It's like they had four games left. They won all four of them and they made it to the championship. So par for the course, par for the course. <laughs> hey, you don't like to be with losers, man. We know this thing about Bill. He doesn't want to be associated with losers. So he gets out while the getting's good. And then whatever happens after that, that's not on him. And it's just a coincidence that every time I leave, they stop being losers and start being winners. It's weird. <laughs> Purely coincidence. That's that's we're, we're not that important to think that the world uh, is is revolving around us. <laughs> we're going to talk today about Cedar Grove and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Milwaukee, too. So I figured I'd split it up into two sections here. We'll start with Cedar Grove, because that's where you started, right? You bet. Was Cedar Grove a supportive environment for a young artist such as yourself? Yes. I mean, for me, yes. I mean, I don't know if that's for everybody, just like any town, any city, anywhere. But for me, <laughs> it was. Uh, I, I got to do, I, I guess I would say like it's supportive. Oh, oh, an artist, yes. But also, I didn't know what I was doing. No one knew what they were doing at that age. I mean, I certainly wasn't <laughs> thinking I'd be moving out to Los Angeles or anything at that time. That wasn't a possibility. But yeah. Because I was in an environment that was that was supportive, that was safe, 
that was stable. Uh, uh, I could kind of, you know, try different things out, do kind of things that I wanted to, which included being in plays in high school, being kind of goofy in general and, uh, <laughs> uh, and do and dabbling in a lot of different things to find out what I actually like and didn't like. I was a theater kid too. Uh, what, what plays were you in, in high school? I guess, and I'm always like the, the phrase theater kid. I was in plays, but my school was only, my school was like 200 students total. Mm -hmm. It was really small. And, um, my town was like 12 to 1500 people. And we, we, we combined with another town called Belgium, uh, and, and their kids came to Cedar Grove as well. But theater, I, I was in, I was in plays in high school, but Anyone could be in the play. If you wanted to be in the play, you could be in the play. There were just, mm -hmm. we only had one a year. There was no like theater department. It was just a one play a year. And <laughs> I was in a play in like seventh grade, eighth grade, and then all through high school. But that was just one a year. And mm -hmm. uh, again, truly anyone could be a, a part of it. So I don't know if I was a theater <laughs> kid, but it's one of the many things I did because I also did sports. Um, if anything, I would consider myself a, a sports kid more than anything, but theater was definitely part of it. We did, I'm sorry, that was a long way to say. We did uh, a Christmas Carol. Ooh, who'd you play in a Christmas Carol? Because I was in two versions, or well, I was in one and a half versions of it. Okay, and you played who? I was uh, in the set in the kids' version. I was Bob Cratchit. In the in the okay the music in the musical version, I was just a villager. <laughs> All right, I like that. We did not do a musical version, and that was my freshman year. And I was the ghost of Christmas. Um, who's the bigger, jollier ghost? Is that Ghost of Christmas Past? Uh I think that's the ghost of Christmas present or no, maybe it then is. Was, no, it is past it, the, like the big jolly guy who would yeah. be eating all the fruit and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was me. If I remember correctly, um, I was taller. So I think that probably helped. Uh, but mm -hmm. I also think he got to be maybe a little bit funnier. And I was maybe considering myself as funny. I don't know if anyone else did, but I did. And then we, uh, I don't remember all the plays that we did. Um, we did bye bye birdie. It's classic. It was classic, except we are, piano player because we have small town so we didn't have like a whole band or anything dropped out not that long before we started and so we tried to use like a soundtrack like a tape um or cd to sing along with but that didn't really work well so we did it acapella Ooh. bye bye birdie acapella it was an experience that that worked <laughs> better than the tape somehow <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't say that but uh uh, I was Conrad Birdie in Bye Bye Birdie, and I'm not a good singer. The the lead, right? The lead of Bye Bye Birdie. Yeah, or one of the co leads. Like it's him, it's the gal, and then the gal that the that she falls in love, the guy that she falls in love with, which is what my manager or something. I don't remember the. I don't exactly remember <laughs> the musical that well. <laughs> and I did two others, which I don't remember. I think one was like a we did like a, a series of short ones. Uh, Bachelor in the Bobby Soxer. Is that a, is that a musical? Or is that a play? Bachelor in the Bobby Soxer? I, I know there's like, there's a family of musicals that are all like, you know, set in the fifties <laughs> or like set in yeah. like a bingo hall. It's like this class of musicals. That's like every community theater does to bring out the elderly folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were definitely in that camp. Uh, so those are the ones I did. And I liked it. I like being, this. I like being on stage. I like performing. I like being funny. Were the theater kids at, at your high school? I, in my high school, they were kind of elevated, almost as elevated as, like, say, the jocks or something. Mm -hmm. were, were the theater kids in your school respected or was it, uh, you know, let's uh, go pick on the theater kids? Um, It was not the same thing, but I don't know if I get I don't know if anyone can maybe I, I can't speak to the other students. I just don't remember it ever feeling like 
anyone's like, I'm a theater kid. Like that was like, yeah. a, like a subgroup. It was just such a, like mm-hmm. we only did one a year and then there was no, there was nothing, there was no, there was no other like class or get togethers. It was just like, we, we get together and different people would try out. Maybe sometimes you'd have the same crew. Like I was in it every year, but other people were not in it every year. And it just felt like it felt like a different thing. So were they the upper echelon? Probably not. Um, <laughs> But a lot of us were also in sports and in other groups. So it also just felt like not like there was no there was no differentiate differentiation between the groups in certain ways. But maybe we maybe we weren't cream of the crop. We were also dabbling in other Mm -hmm. things. Yeah, my high school, my high school was very much like that, too, where we had the theater kids, but the theater kids were also the band kids were also the football kids. Like, yeah, one of the bigger actors, uh, Justin, in my high school, he was also the school mascot that would run out at football games in the Patriot costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's the type of stuff like we we never we didn't we were too small. We didn't have a mascot. Um, I mean, we had a we had our we were the Rockets, but we didn't have like anyone dressing up as a rocket. How big was your class size? 60 kids oh wow wow pretty small then in my graduating class yeah i could probably at least at least name the first name of every one in my high school at least <laughs> uh and then like everyone was in a lot of students were in band that were in sports our band was like a big pretty normal thing and mm-hmm. again I, I i could be wrong maybe there's other students that are like it sucked <laughs> and i did feel like a theater kid and i was on the outer edges and i'm sure that was the case but for me who was kind of in a had my hand in a lot of different things it all felt pretty normal when i contacted you about being on the show i was like you know do you have anything about cedar grove you would be interesting to talk about or you'd like to talk about and you mentioned the annual holland fest now go ahead and tell us about holland fest holland fest it, it takes place every summer in uh july i believe uh cedar grove is a dutch town maybe not so much now as it used to be but we have dutch heritage tuni is a dutch name as far as i know and <laughs> holland fest is a two-day festival Takes place on Friday and Saturday, Friday afternoon, evening, Saturday, all day and night. And it is at the time when I was growing up, the largest non-alcoholic festival in Wisconsin, I believe. <laughs> I don't know if people like that uh, claim to fame or not, uh, depending on who you ask. Considering it's non-alcoholic, it's surprising that it's pretty popular. <laughs> you know? Right. I, very, I mean, very. Most people equate alcohol with festival, you know? Yeah. This would get, we would, when I was a kid, and I don't know, again, it, maybe it's slightly different now, but certainly when I was a kid, like people would come from different parts of the state to come to this. And I think part of the allure and the appeal was, well, one, there was just less to do because there's no internet and it's, the world was smaller then. Uh, but uh, I think part of the appeal was that it was like a family affair and you could take your kids there and it was like no uh, dive into mayhem. <laughs> Here's the things about Holland Fest. One is that we would, on Saturday morning, we would uh, we'd have a parade like a lot of festivals do. Mm-hmm. But what we would do is we would scrub the streets. And what that means is on Main Street, the where the parade is going to come down, it's also going to go down other streets, but it goes on Main Street as well. People, if they choose, could dress up in traditional Dutch garb, which I did, and so did my family. <laughs> Wooden shoes. If you could think of like what the little Dutch boy on the paint cans kind of looks like, that's kind of what we were dressed like. And gals would dress. Uh, in traditional dresses, we would scrub the streets. We would take pails, 
of water, obviously, and out of uh, a big wooden, you know, barrels and whatnot. And mm-hmm. the guys would have yokes on like an <laughs> oxen and have two barrels of water, two pails of water, and we would dump it on the street. And then the women also, guys, would scrub it with these big wooden brooms. And then uh, the parade would begin. We'd have a guy named the Burgermeister, which is like a a leader of some sort. He's declaring that the streets are clean and the, and the festival is open. Who is uh, more powerful, the Burgermeister or the Burger King? Oh, that's a tale as old as time. It's a question that with a chicken or the egg, right? Uh, my goodness. I, I got to give it to the Burgermeister, I would imagine. So then we would, uh, the, the other thing that happened is a parade would come, people from around different parts of the state doing their, they come in different bands, high school bands. Uh, people come in church floats. We had four churches in our town, one bar, four churches. And wow. each church would have, generally have a float uh, of some kind. And also, we would do clumping dancing. Clumping dancing is traditional Dutch dancing. And I would have to take part in that. So did my sisters. My mom and my aunt would play accordion. They'd get on the back of a truck and they would play. They would drive slowly and play the accordion. <laughs> and we would dance to that down the street. And then the festival after that would begin. It would have to take place in... Uh, what we called the old park. We had a new park and an old park. And old park, I think, is also referred to as Memorial Park. And the new park is Independence Park. Uh, we called it old the new. And uh, then it would be uh, Friday night and Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. Lots of food, traditional uh, Dutch food, Ole Bolens, which is like a round donut, and Wurstbergies, which is kind of like what a, you might refer to as a pig in the blanket. <laughs> it was an epic thing. I look forward to it every year. I it it was. I loved it. I loved it intensely. We also had one play that would take place every year or a musical uh, that would take place during that time. So at night, you could go see this musical and I would go see the musical or the play because it was like the thing to do in our town. And uh, and I, I thought I found it very entertaining. I loved it. Who put the play on? Did you guys have like a community theater in town or? It's similar to the high school thing where it's just like one play. What I call it a community theater. I guess it took place in the community. Um, <laughs> and community members took took part in it. But it didn't feel like a year-round thing the way you think of, like, the uh, Oak Park community players. Like, I don't think we had, like, a we didn't have, like, an organization like that, to my knowledge. Well, uh, you know, you mentioned that, uh, you know, it was alcohol-free. I did have a question here. Were there any, like, memorable, like, big controversy events things? But I'm sure the alcohol, lack of alcohol probably cuts down on that. Cut it way down. Not to my knowledge. There wasn't any. Uh, when I was young... Uh, the high schoolers, there would be like um, one on Saturday night, I think, to kind of keep kids out of trouble at the high school. If I remember correctly, there would be like a DJ or a band and like the kids mm-hmm. could go there. I was too young for that. And I think it died out by the time I got into high school, if I remember correctly. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong on that. But it, it, no, not to my knowledge. It was a pretty it was a pretty um, scandal free event. Mm-hmm. To my to my knowledge, very boring, very boring. All the better for a Cedar Grove, then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the opposite side of the coin, uh, you mentioned when you posted about this on Instagram when we were supposed to record yesterday. Uh huh. You were going to unbury all the bodies. All the names were coming out. I'm giving you this. Platform I'm doing a good right- job, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I'm giving you this space here to call out anyone uh-huh. you'd like to from Cedar Grove. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Here's the thing about like me growing up in plays. I'll call these people out. I, I think I have a funny family. I'm sure we all think we have funny families. Uh, I do <laughs> think I have a funny family. And I'll call out my cousin, uh, my cousin Nate, uh, who now lives out here in California. And I think 
I think he's so funny. And I used to look up to him. I still look up to him. But I definitely looked up to him when I was a kid. An age gap. Let's say if he's a senior in high school, I was in, I'm going to say sixth grade. That's about the age gap. Gotcha. So like six or seven years, something like that. Yeah, yeah maybe seven. Maybe he's, he might be set. Uh, maybe I was in seven. Yeah, it might be like five to six years. Anyways, um, I would see him in plays. He would be in plays. And he would do different things at school. And I would I would get to see him. And I thought he was so funny. And I still think he's so funny. And he was definitely like inspirational to me to like get into performing because I wanted to do that. And I really liked that. And and, and so he was definitely someone that I, I thought was really, really great and uh, and gave me a little bit of a path to follow. How how has he reacted to uh you know your your success and your continued success out here in Hollywood? Super supportive, super supportive. We talk on the phone. Um, I don't see him as often as I as I should or as I want to, um, and mm -hmm. vice versa. But I gotta make a stronger effort. Uh, <laughs> but we but we get along really well. We just talked this week for a while, and uh, it was past week. He's super supportive. He's he pays attention to things that I'm doing, and and he likes it. And and uh, and uh, I always think I'm like. I wish you would do more of this stuff, but he's also, he's got a good life uh, and he's doing great. Yeah. A lot of the people I did theater with, it was either they went all in on theater or they mm -hmm. went all in on the other side of it, getting like, I don't know, a corporate gig or like a teacher gig yeah. or something like that. Uh, they, all, they went all in on consistency, stability and uh, 401k. Is that what they went in on? Yeah. 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 But, you know, screw yeah. that, man. Who needs Crazy. that? <laughs> crazy crazy <laughs> speaking of teachers though I, did you have mm -hmm. any teachers in cedar grove that had a profound impact on you and sort of the path you took sure i think probably a bunch of them i thought uh my uh my english teachers uh mr smithers and mr abick were both like creative people mr smithers would be in the play he's also a neighbor uh mr abick was um could be a bit abrasive but he took to me and uh i thought he was like overall funny if not a little bit uh questionable times but uh <laughs> i did think he was funny and he would let me kind of do my thing and then most importantly truly all my teachers were really, really great mr and mrs pilzel in, in third grade and then again in sixth grade they were a, a husband wife teacher combo Mm -hmm. And uh, they would let me spread my wings a little bit and be funny, even if, again, how funny are you in third or sixth grade? I'm probably not that funny, but they would <laughs> tolerate me and let me try different things. And then my, I guess you want to say social studies teacher, Mr. Wood, I think he's so funny and he let me be funny. And I thought he was really funny and we would joke and he would, again, tolerate me. I had a lot of teachers that tolerated and I, that was a big <laughs> deal to me is that they just like would put up with me for a little bit as I tried to stumble my way through what I thought was funny. Tolerate, accept you for who you are, tomato, tomato. <laughs> tomato, tomato. That's definitely so important to have have an encouraging teacher. Like I know I, I do a bit of writing myself and my uh, high school teacher, my freshman year English teacher, Miss Wager, really kind of pushed me in that direction. And, you know, any minor success I've had, I, I completely owe to her because my family was not into the whole artsy fartsy writing sort of stuff, unless it was related to, you know, God and the Bible and all that. So, yeah. so it, it's, you know, it's so important to have those figures in your life that kind of allow you to experiment and find out who you are. Yeah, for sure. And I, again, I, because I grew up in a small town and because my family had been kind of established there and, and been there for kind of generations, I'm not kind of, they'd been there for generations. Uh, mm -hmm. I think there was like a, a, we know who this kid is. And again, you knew who every kid was, but they certainly knew who probably I was because I had older sisters that kind of paved the way for me as well. And my mom and dad are in the community. Um, 
So I think there was like a, because of that, I had some leeway that maybe other kids didn't have that weren't, that weren't known. And like, I, I, I could look at that. I didn't notice it then, but certainly now I can go, oh man, I really had a little bit of a wide berth in which to do things. And maybe I was funny, maybe I wasn't, but there was a, uh, they, let's give them some room. And uh, they let me do that. It was huge, huge for me. Absolutely. And uh, I, w- I will definitely say as someone who's taken an improv class with you, you're kind of funny. <laughs> you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> I have my days. My, I have my days here and there. <laughs> no, honest, honestly, Dave, uh, I've done a lot of improv classes now. Uh, some of the scenes I did with you were some of my favorites I've done in any class. So, Whoa, that's yeah. so great. Thank you for saying that. I like that class a lot. And I've done a lot. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about it. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I like that class. Is It's for those of you who are wondering, is um is the intro class at, at Groundlings. Yeah. It's the intro class to their like core track at Groundlings. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just in it recently, like, just like a few months ago. And uh, I've been doing improv for a, a while, uh, but I wanted to branch out and try something different. So you and I, Bill and I were in the same class. And uh, I was, I, I really enjoyed that class. And people in that class really made me laugh. Not that I didn't think they would. I haven't been in a beginning improv class in a while. So there's certain expectations that were far exceeded in that class with with the amount of funny people in there, I, I truly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a, a fun class for me too, because immediately prior to the pandemic, I spent about two, two and a half years doing improv in Orlando where we lived before. And then the yeah. pandemic happened and all the opportunities I had there kind of poof went away. We decided to yeah. move out here. And then it was just such a uh, relief and a release to come to that classroom and be you know, in a room playing yeah. with people again. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Just a ton of fun. Folks, uh, we do have to take a quick break here uh, to take a word from our sponsor, but we're going to be right back in just a couple of minutes. Tons of fun. Stay tuned. Where I'm From is brought to you by Streen Studio. That's S-T-R-E-A-N-N Studio, the web app that puts you in charge of the live show. Stream Studio allows you to take your streaming game to the next level by allowing you to stream to multiple platforms at once. If you want to go to Twitch, if you want to go to YouTube, you can stream to all of those platforms at once, get feedback from your audience, and most importantly, it puts you in control of the show. Now, Stream Studio has several packages that work for just about any type of broadcaster. From the free plan, where you can stream with a watermark, all the way up to the gold plan, where you can have up to eight guests. You can stream to as many social platforms as you want. You can get a web link to share your show with external audiences, and you can even get an iframe so you can embed your live stream show directly into your website. Hey, I love Stream Studio so much, I'm using it to produce this show. I want to thank Stream Studio for supporting where I'm from, and you can give this fantastic software spin and support where I'm from at the same time. Just head over to our website at billmeeks.com slash where I'm from and click on the Stream Studio banner so they know we sent you their way. And we want to thank Stream Studio for sponsoring uh, where I'm from. Go check it out. Great, great service. Back to Cedar Grove. Cedar Grove. Love it. What are some can't miss attractions uh, you'd recommend to anyone visiting Cedar Grove? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> as soon as you realize you're in town, you're headed out of town. It's very small. Very small. Fallen Festival, that's the big one. Um, boy, I guess go to one of the four churches. Uh, you could go <laughs> or to the one bar. Cedar- 
or the one bar sportsman's bar, which um, I've been to many, many, many times. And then if you head out of town, you can go to Country Grove Restaurant, which I think is what it's still called. <laughs> it's, it's a limited <laughs> amount of stuff to do there. Truly, truly. Yeah. It's not like, you know how like in um, Gilmore Girls, uh, I always refer to Gilmore Girls. Stars Hollow is where they live. It's this quaint small town. And there's just like gorgeous little main streets. Got all these shops and stuff like that. To me, that is not a small town. That's a sizable. That's like a small city, <laughs> a sizable, a big town, small city. They have like a town square. There's a ton of people there. <laughs> Cedar Grove is not like that. People picture that. I think they're like, when I describe it, they're like, oh, I'm picturing quaint little shops and little like candle stores. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's not what this is. It's very small. It's a, it's a it's a farm town. It's surrounded by farms. It's a small town. It's a great town. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's really small. That's just what it is. So yeah. I, I'd say it's limited in the in the things that you're going to want to do. You probably want to head over to a big city, which is Sheboygan, Wisconsin, made famous by the mention in planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, I think uh, you didn't get to hear the intro I edited for you, but I think I mentioned Sheboygan just because it's such a funny name. Like, you can't go wrong it's saying Sheboygan. It's such a funny name. It's the best. We have two Dutch museums. One is called Het Museum, uh, which is, I just think, Dutch for the, so Het Museum. And then mm-hmm. we have the Turundi House, which my mom has helped with. And it's a house that is styled in early Cedar Grove, like what it was like if you were for living in Cedar Grove back when it started. Ooh. What was the house looking like? And it's an entire house looked like that. We opened it a few times a year. Also mm-hmm. on Holland Fest is one of those times. Is it sort of like a fabricated version of what a house would look like back then? Or is it something where like they just were like, OK, we're going to preserve this. It's a super old house. It's a super old house. And then they they backdated it, the interior to, to fit more of that mold. But it's it's an old house. And you go in there and you're like, you didn't have to they didn't have to do a lot. They just had to like, you know, bring in old furniture from the time. We're going to. Go to Milwaukee, but via Cedar Grove. Yeah. I was wondering what your relationship to Milwaukee was growing up in Cedar Grove, because they're not terribly far apart. What is it, like 60 miles or something? Yeah. Not, not 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 far at all, but, you know, feels like a world away when you're a kid. You don't can't really judge distances and whatnot. So Milwaukee, we'd go to, if I, sometimes we'd go to a Brewer game. Um, we'd make that trek, but that was not often, but we did. And then we, that would be, that would be more on the south end of Milwaukee. We were north of Milwaukee. So it was a bit of a truck to go through the city. And then um, every year we would go to the big thing for the Tooney family that we loved, or at least I loved and my sisters loved, would be to go to Northridge Mall, which is on the north side of Milwaukee. But I didn't, couldn't tell that as far as I knew we were deep in Milwaukee. For times growing up and time spent together. When it's time to work or it's time to play. Times to come and times to remember. For times like these, shop Northridge Mall. Uh, yeah. And we would go to the Northridge Mall, which is now defunct. Uh, we'd do our annual Christmas shopping, which would take place on the day after Thanksgiving, which is the the worst time to go shopping, but we loved it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'd go to the Northridge Mall, and that was the big, that was the big, um, excursion in the Milwaukee generally unless we were going to there or the brewery game or my favorite place in the entire world which is the Milwaukee Public Museum and I love it and I go back there every time I go back to Milwaukee I go through it and it's my 
favorite place. If no one's ever gone to the Milwaukee Public Museum, you got to go. It's not going to be there that long because they're going to relocate it because it's this big hulking building that's no longer efficient and is just too big for the museum and too big for the city. But it is, I've been to a lot of museums. It's one of the best museums. I, I, I get that I'm biased. It's one of the best museums you could possibly go to. Yeah. So it's got like more dioramas than any museum I've ever been to. Way really? more. Way more. And more expansive and some big ones that are like super impressive to me, including the streets of old Milwaukee and European Village. We have three floors. And it's awesome. It's not going to be there forever. It's going to be closing in the next few years because they're going to relocate. So if you ever get there, it's worth its weight in gold. It's the best place in the world. I love it. You moved from Cedar Grove to Milwaukee to go to college, right? I went to, after high school, um, I scrambled because I didn't apply quickly enough to colleges and I was dragging my feet because I was lazy. I spent my first <laughs> two years at Oshkosh, UW Oshkosh, which is north of, north and a little bit west of um, Cedar Grove. Is that related to uh, Oshkosh Bagosh, the clothing line? Absolutely. Absolutely yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, we all wore overalls <laughs> all the time and we were all children. And we, uh, I, I spent two years there, loved it, loved it. My grades were awful. Maybe you loved it a little too much. <laughs> too much, too much. Definitely <laughs> did not go to class enough. And then I transferred to Milwaukee. I wanted a bigger experience. I wanted a bigger city. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but I know now I gravitate towards cities. I love cities. I like small places too, but I think maybe because I was in Cedar Grove and I wanted to do something different, mm -hmm. I, I, I wanted something bigger. So after two years, I went to UW Milwaukee and I loved it. Now, uh, so when you made it to Milwaukee, did it really feel like a transition to like the big city? Because I, I mean, Milwaukee mm -hmm. compared to something like Los Angeles, it's not all that big. No. Felt gigantic. Gigantic? Gigantic. It felt gigantic to me. It was, um, uh, it was huge. I mean, Oshkosh felt huge to me. Oshkosh was gigantic to me. It's the first time I just told this to someone recently. I told this many times. Uh, my friend who was in the dorm room next to me, Josh, he's like, one night we're hanging out. He's like, hey, do you want to get a pie? One, I didn't know what a pie meant. Um, I just thought he meant literally like a pie. I was like, what? Um, <laughs> I know now it's pizza. Uh, and I was like, okay. And it was the first time I'd ever gotten delivery in my life. And I thought, I was like, holy cow, I'm in the city. We're getting delivery yeah. pizza. This is unbelievable. Uh, and then going to Milwaukee, absolutely felt huge. And I explored such a tiny part of the city when I was in school. That I lived there afterward, too, and then got to see way more of it. But it was... It was gigantic to me. Now I re recognize it as a mid-sized city that's way more manageable. I love Milwaukee. Um, mm -hmm. But at the time, it, it felt enormous. <laughs> I yeah. yeah, enormous, intimidating, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. The first time I went to a bigger city than the one I grew up in was when I was 18. I moved out here to Los Angeles for about six months. From where? Uh, from Wheeling, West Virginia. It's huge. You moved to like the biggest place. The you moved to the most sprawling, gigantic city in the U.S. Yeah, I went I went from zero to 100 uh, at 18 years yeah. old. I was like, you know, screw this town. I'm getting out of here. I came back six months later. But yeah. Did you <laughs> cry? Did you cry in Los Angeles when you were out here at all? Were you like scared? Like I would have cried at certain at many points. I would have cried. I've been like, oh, this was too much. I absolutely did because, you know, I, I moved out here to go to UCLA and uh, work as a live-in nanny. Mm. And a few months into the live-in nanny gig, they were very against any sort of punishment for their kids. The little boy was beating up on the little girl. So I sent them both oh, to their boy. room so their parents could deal with it when they got home. Fired me. I had no place to live. I cried that day. Whoa. Yeah. Holy cow. 
had to go crawling back to my family to buy me a plane ticket to get home and everything. It was nuts. Yeah. But uh, well, you're a big, you're a big capital punishment proponent, if I'm not mistaken, right? You love capital punishment. Like, oh, spanking. absolutely. It, yeah, well, yeah, that yeah. corporal, corporal punishment, corporal punishment, not corporal, capital not punishment. Corp, not, not capital punishment. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. yeah. Sorry. Corporal punishment. You're not going to believe this. You're the second person to make that mistake, uh, for it to come up and to make that mistake. The first was Steven Toblowski. So congratulations. You're in a very rare fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny that he's the other one. I did the pilot of Dr. Ken. Uh, it was a sitcom that ran on, I think, ABC for a while. And Steven was, I don't think he was a regular, but I think he was in the, he was in the pilot. He was a patient in the pilot as well. And so I got to listen to him and talk to him for just a little bit. I can't remember no details, but I just remember being in awe, being like, Stephen Toplowski standing right <laughs> in front of me. He's telling stories about old stuff that he did. It was a yeah. Groundhog Day, but uh, <laughs> but he was, ta- he was telling some stories. And I just remember being in awe of him. So I'm thrilled to be in that company. Yeah, that man can talk like I booked him for an hour. He said he had a heart out. He went for like an hour and 45 minutes and he didn't want to stop. He he had to stop because his grand, I think his grandson or granddaughter was there. So, yeah. 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 Oh, he's great. We've come to our first game. I love it. This is a game I came up with just for you. And I figured since we met Moving Improv, we could knock out a couple quick blackout scenes with this game. So I'll be playing Bernie Love, a radio DJ who gives advice kind of like Frasier. And I'll cue you up with a caller based on somebody you might have known in Milwaukee, along with a problem prompt, sort of a suggestion. Then I'll bring you on the line and uh, you give Bernie the details and I'll give you some advice. Make sense? I love it. Makes sense. Excellent. Okay, we'll see how this goes. Welcome to Love at Night with Birdie Love, where we give you advice about any of the problems you have in your life. First off, we have Michael, a construction worker from Milwaukee, who says he has a problem with Pat Blue Ribbon. Michael, you're on the line with Bernie Loves. Hey, Bernie, thanks for uh, having me. Real happy to be here. Oh, boy, let me tell you what, I got some big issues here with Plaps Blue Ribbon, all right? That's what I hear. And I'm wondering if you can help me out in any way. If I'm being honest, I don't think it's great. I know we love it. I know it's a Blue Ribbon beer. uh, And I know that people uh, really link it to Milwaukee and think it's amazing. But I think it's swill. And Mm. I feel like I'm on the outs with my peer group. And they all want to drink that. Me, I'm a Miller Genuine Draft guy. I know that's not a popular choice. But I like that cold filtered. So am I. So am I, Michael. There we go, MGD Heavy, and that's my beer of choice. And I'm wondering, how can I break it to them in a way that I'm not going to lose them as friends? Well, some people might say that if you share this with your friends and they reject you as a friend, then they're not your real friends anyway. I'm not going to say that. What I'm going to say is that sometimes to maintain a friendship, you need to trick your friends. So what I would do is I would take a syringe, drain out your can of Pabst Blue Ribbon and then shoot it into your Miller High Life. And then that way you can open the can. It pops open just like a regular can. Your friends will know the difference. You won't have any awkward situations and you'll be able to continue these friendships well into your old age. Make sense, Michael? Bernie, Bernie makes perfect sense. And I'll tell you what, you've got a friend for life in me no matter what beer you drink. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. I will we'll talk to you later. And uh, I, I appreciate you being my friend. I consider all of my callers friends, especially when they're talking beer. 
All right, next up, we have uh, Kevin here, who is a bar owner who seems to have a problem with the Green Bay Packers. Kevin, you're on the line. What's your problem? Yeah, it's Kevin here. Thanks for taking my call. I'm going to have to get off the line here pretty quickly because we're a third shift bar and uh, it's early, but we have people here working after third shift and they want to get drunk before they go to bed and have to do it all over again. Understandable. I'm having some trouble with the Green Bay Packers. They've been struggling this season. I mean, they had a nice win this past Sunday uh, over the Cowboys, and that's great. We can't stand the Cowboys. Oh, fuck the Cowboys. Oh, sorry. I said they're on here. Bernie, this is your show, not mine. You can say whatever you want, however you want to say it. I'll pay the SCC fine. It's okay. Oh, you got money to burn, my friend. Look, I'm just saying here that when the Packers don't do well, people don't drink as much. Now, you think they drink more to drown their sorrows, and sometimes that's the case. But when people are in a festive mood, they tend to drink more, and people are not drinking nearly as much here. So I guess I do have a problem with the Packers. But uh, I'm also curious to know how can I get people to plunk down some more of their hard-earned cash uh, from over at Harley-Davidson to uh, buy some more beer, even though the Packers are struggling? Well, I think a good way to do it would be you take a, a cardboard sign and you write out on it, every beer you buy supports the Packers at training camp. And then that way, people see, I'll buy the beer, and the Packers will get a little extra training before next Sunday's game. It doesn't have to be true, mind. You just have to tell them this. And by uh -huh. next Sunday, it'll be a constant cycle. The Packers keep losing. Oh, they need more training. Buy more beer. I think it'll, it'll do both for you. I don't see any legal repercussions for you at all. Yeah, that feels foolproof. That feels foolproof. I mean, buy beer and they get more training is what you're saying. They somehow get more training as a result of this. That's what you're, that's what the, uh, the idea is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? The beer funds their additional training. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a public account that, you know, the beer money goes uh -huh. into and then the Packers take it out. Yes, we are a publicly owned team. The Packers are publicly owned. So this feeds into that idea. I completely understand that. These millionaires need more money from us. I'm not sure that they do. But I do like the idea that now we have even more ownership of a team that we already own. It feels it gives us even more connection to this team that we love so much. Bernie, honestly, this is a great idea and I love it. I'm going to start pushing this on our patrons at the bar. And I think it's going to go over like gangbusters. Bernie, thanks once again. I love your show. It's always oh, the thank best you, advice. Kevin. And I'll tell you what, you've got a voice like an angel. You've got a voice like an angel. But a lot of people tell me I have a voice like an ashtray, but I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> but I thank you very much, Kevin. And uh, last up here, uh, we have Patrick, who's a professional bowler who seems to have some sort of problem with Arthur Fonzarelli, the character Fonzie from Happy Days. Uh, or Patrick, you're on the line. Oh, yeah. Hey, thanks for having me there, Bernie. Much appreciated. Uh, I got a big problem with the old Fonz, okay? Oh, well, I got to hear about this. Yeah, yeah, you do. You do. Listen up here. People, they're not flocking to the bowling alley like they used to, okay? I'm a good bowler. Heck, I just bowled a 300 last month, and I'm telling you what, it ain't my first one. But the people, they don't want to come to the bowling alley to watch me play, to watch me roll, okay? Instead, what they're doing is they're doing one of two things. They're either watching old reruns of Happy Days, which took place in Milwaukee, or they're heading down to the Milwaukee River, and they're taking pictures with the bronze fawns. In Milwaukee, we got something called the bronze fawns. It's a short statue, about as tall as actual Arthur Fonzarelli was, 
but he's cast out of bronze. But life-size. Life-size, yeah. you think it'd be a little bit bigger, a little bit more, you know, grand, but it's not. But it's still cool to see. And you get to take your picture uh, with, put your arm around him. He's got his leather jacket on. He's got his blue jeans on. He's giving the thumbs up. He's got the slick back hair. He looks great. And I'll tell you what, the bowling alleys, they're empty, Bernie. They're empty. And I'm hoping maybe you can give me some reason to get them back. I'm, this is a similar problem to the bar issue that I'm talking about earlier, I realized. We just, there's no one at the bowling alley now. They're all down at the bronze fawns down by the river. Well, uh, Patrick, I, I think you're in luck here because I've heard yeah. through the grapevine, through my connection, out there in crazy town, Los Angeles, that Henry Winkler is about to wrap up shooting on Barry at, and he's going to be free. So I think what you do, you reach out to Henry's people, you bring him to the bowling alley and you put him up behind the bar where he can serve all the patrons who wants to go see a statue of Henry Winkler 30 years ago when you can go drink with Henry Winkler right now. Bernie, this is unbelievable. I got to say, I love this idea and I'm going to get Henry Winkler over to the bowling alley, Maple Lanes, and we're going to have a great time. And then we're going to switch them over to Landmark Lanes where they have three bars in the basement. It's been there since I've been in college. you got to go check it out. It's right by Ventura on North Avenue. If you're ever in Milwaukee, go to Landmark Lanes. Is it a great looking place? No, but it's also right next to the Oriental Theater, which is a classic looking movie theater. you got to go check that out if you're ever in Milwaukee. Go see a movie there. It is ornate and beautiful. And Henry Winkler is going to love seeing a matinee there. Thanks, Bernie. Thank you, Patrick. And really interesting that you uh, gave some information about the town we both live in right there at the end of the call. It's almost like you were on a podcast about that town. Anyway, that does it for Love at Night with Bernie Love. I want you to call in next week with all of your problems. Centered in Milwaukee, please. Thank you very much. This is Bernie Love. So, are you enjoying our season premiere conversation with Dave Thune about all things Wisconsin and Hollywood? Good, because there's a lot more of it. Come back next week for part two of our conversation. If you like the show, I do highly suggest you go over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave an honest review that's five stars and says the show was perfect, uh, you know, so to help us get out to more viewers and everything. If you uh, like what we talked about here, if you want to talk about where you're from, you can go ahead and shoot me an email, bill at billmeeks.com. And you can find uh, links to all the other episodes of where I'm from, show notes, contact info, and a clickable link to our sponsor over at billmeeks.com slash where I'm from. Uh, we generally try to go live on twitch.tv slash billmeeks, youtube.com slash at billmeeksla. They changed up how they did it recently. Join us here again next week for the second half of the conversation with Dave. It's a good one. See you soon. <laughs>